Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. In a house dominated by alcohol, author Ashling Cregan has um, documented her life story. She wants to share her story and her words um, of hope, really, for those who find themselves in perhaps a similar situation. And Ashling is with us here um, in, in studio this afternoon. Ashling, good afternoon. Thanks for, for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. Listen, you might maybe bring us back, Ashling. Um, tell us about your childhood and I suppose your, your earliest memories. Okay, well, first of all, I'm the youngest of a large Dublin family. And and like you say, I was raised by two alcoholics in, in a chaotic household. It's a story of resilience, survival and hope. And my aim is to get the book out there to people who are or have been in a similar situation. My childhood, I have to say, it was extremely terrifying. But my saving grace, really, there were three things the nature that I had around me while I was raised in a house just outside Dublin city. There were fields just around the back from me and I just spent days and days and days going through those fields and getting up to all sorts of antics. I mean, I was chased. I was chased through the fields uh, by a farmer wielding a shotgun um, and, and told, you know, my father would be told to keep your son out of his fields. So, um you know, there's there's funny stories, mm. memories like that. Um, drawing was another thing. To this day, I find painting and, and, and drawing very therapeutic. And, um, you know, when I was a child, I used to spend hours drawing and all I could fantasize. I mean, all my drawings were the rolling hills and the big bright yellow sun. And I used to look out my, my bedroom window and look at the, the Wicklow Hills yeah. and fantasize about living in the Wicklow Hills and I was I was very lucky enough to do it. But that was one of my big focuses. And the other one was I had a very vivid imagination and my imagination, I, I, you know, I used to dress up and like there were all these superheroes, you know, and I was always the goody after the baddies and I was Superman, I was, I was a cowboy, I was the detective. But when I dressed up in those roles as a child, I actually became, I became that role. Yeah. And so... Like I say, they were my survival mechanisms, I suppose. Um, yes. The, the, your childhood that you mentioned, um, and I suppose being, you know, the, the, your home life, you know, in the, in the early stages. Um, what was your relationship like with your parents then at that stage, Ashley? My relationship with my parents, well, I have to say my father died when I was 10 and I absolutely adored the ground he walked on. Um, I have to say I... I didn't have a relationship with my mother because I, well, look, I don't ever remember my mother, say, hugging me, you know, or being affectionate towards me. And yet I had seen other parents doing this with their kids, you know, when they collect their kids from school. I could see the dads, you know, throwing them on their shoulders or whatever and the the mothers, um, their mothers talking gently with their kids or hugging them or whatever and holding their hands. I had no concept of that. But in a sense, because I had no concept of it, I was more confused than upset or angry okay. over it. So I, I actually have no concept of what it is to have had a mother, if that makes sense. Um, and I was very, look, I was a very kind of a practical kid. I just didn't dwell on that too much. As You know, okay. m- when I was a child, my focus was basically to get from one day to the next alive and safe. That was my, my focus. You know, 
sounds like you grew up very, very young. I did. Actually. Absolutely. I mean, I feel I, I, I feel I was almost I went from being born to be becoming an adult. An adult yeah. I was I was caring for both my parents as a very young child because, you know, when there would be a lot of drinking going on in the house, I, I'd be going down the middle of the night maybe to turn my father's head so he wouldn't choke. Um, you know, I'd be trying to, I suppose, keep missiles out of uh, out of sight in the house. And, you know, by the time I got to school, I was often exhausted because I would have had to maybe clean up the debris from the night before, basically. So when I got to school, you know, I was absolutely shattered mm. a lot of the time. How did you get on in school? Was it easy to, not easy, but I suppose, was it, was it difficult to bond a friendship and a relationship with, with, with was classmates? It's funny. I I was very lucky, first of all. I was never bullied in school. I never had to contend with that. Um, I was very much, I'm very comfortable and always have been in my own company and yet do enjoy the company of others. So when I was a kid, yeah, look, I used to just go in and out of the games with the kids and you'd often find me sitting on my own as well. But that was okay because that would have been just a little bit of mm. safe time for me. Now, I was diagnosed as uh, mentally retarded when I was, um, I think it was about nine years old. And <laughs> the problem was, I was also dyslexic. The problem was, it wasn't that I was mentally retarded. I just needed a wee bit of help yeah. in school. And a remedial teacher stepped in and actually saved my life. And it, you know, and I was so, so lucky because in, in, the, in the 70s, I mean, look at the problems going on now with, with, with um, learning supports. In the 70s, I was actually very, very lucky to have had that opportunity because not only did that, le- did that teacher help me to learn and flourish, but she also, in the future years, in the years ahead, helped me, to, gave me that strength mm. to overcome other obstacles. Because whenever I came to a, a difficult situation, I used to often think of that teacher and think, you know what, she believed in me. It, you know, it, it was the fact that this, this woman during those lessons said she was going to be in that room on that time on that day, every single week. It was that constant that I needed because there was so much mayhem at home. This was the constant that I needed. And it was her kindness and her gentleness that really pulled me through. And often it's it's often it's easier for somebody outside the family to give a child a hand like this. So look, I I cannot stress the importance of of teachers, social workers, anybody working with young people. Do you know, we were just talking earlier this week, Ashling, about the the influence and the positive, you know, kind of life changing um, influence that teachers can have. It's it's, it's funny, I I was able to, I met this teacher after 40 years. I met her her, um, a couple of years ago and I didn't know if she was alive or dead or whatever. And I said, you have no idea. I said, I'm here because of you. And she said, don't be silly, sure I did nothing. I was just doing my work. And I said, no, you have no idea. It was just who you were as a human being. You know, and um, so please, like I say, teachers, social, anybody working with young children, what you do is absolutely is, is, is money cannot, you cannot put a price on it. You talked there a few minutes ago, Ashling, about getting through day to day and that was sort of your your focus like can you give us a sense of how bad it got or how bad did it all get that you know that that's sort of your memory is that you know the aim was to just get through the days well to be honest with you uh, my life was in danger many times as a child it was extremely violent like I say and I remember at one point having a knife 
held under my throat as a child. And I, I remember all I could hear was, was the ticking of a clock. And all I could do was go from one tick to the next. And I used to just, I used to, I was hoping that I would die because, to be honest with you, the build up to that was actually worse than the event itself. And it's the fear of, of that this is going to happen now again, night after night after night, do you know? So, yeah, you know, it, there were oftentimes as a child, I used to keep a razor blade um, beside me as a child just so that if I needed a way out, I would do it. And I'm so, so glad I didn't follow through in that because, you know, there is so much in life to live for. But what we just need to do, we, we need we need to keep talking. We need to have somebody to share those experiences with. I remember having a, a reading Christina, Christina Noble's book when I was a child. I think it was Bridge Across My Sorrows. And that was from her adult life. But I remember thinking as a 16 year old, Jesus, I wish I knew more about her childhood. I, I felt very lonely at times. And I have to say, if I had a book like this, like I am someone to read when I was 16, it would have made me feel less lonely, I suppose, you know, and would have given me even more encouragement. Ashling, how did you get through all of this? Well, to be honest with you, it was either it was sink or swim. And I remember when I was diagnosed with mental, re- as they called it in those I days, know, mentally yeah. retarded. I remember thinking, no, 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 no. You know, everything in life had a pulse to it. The stones, you know, I used to chat away to little stones in the laneway. Everything had a life. And I was so aware of, you know, our fingerprints and, and no two people have the same fingerprint and how unique we are. And we are all here. I honestly believed as a child, I knew we were all here for a purpose, for a reason. And yeah, I just thought, no, nobody can take this away from me unless they actually kill me. So you put all of the all of your, your energy and, and your focus um, this was into this kind of the, the, the school life and, and, and day to day living. Um, and like it, it's interesting you decided to to basically document your, your story. Your Absolutely. Memoirs. You know, it, it just struck me in our society, especially in Ireland, Irish society, we have this thing of shh kicking under the table and the winking and sure look sure that was in the past sure aren't you grand now sure you look grand and you've, you know you have your job and your house and did you do move on that's all fine but the body remembers the body remembers do you know um, and the thing is life is just life is just challenge after challenge you know I failed the leaving cert I failed the first year in college I failed my do, 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 do. actually I think the word failure should be taken out of the dictionary because I didn't look at those as failures I looked at them mm. as as learning you know, for any obstacle like I, I came up against, it was a learning for me. So in a sense, I, I I had my bar was quite low in life so that when things did work out well, it was like winning the lottery, Do you know. So, I mean, I, I what I did with the book was I took I, I took a negative experience and turned it into something yeah. positive to help other people. Well, that's it. I suppose a lot of it focuses Ashling on Maybe the advice, if you want to call it that. Um, it's the story you hope, really, isn't it? More than anything. Absolutely. Like and look, don't get me wrong. I mean, I have a lot of, um, there are a lot of issues from, from years ago. I, I have a lot of OCD, which can be very crippling at times. But at least now when I look at a leaky pipe, I know it's it's not. I nearly drowned at one stage. There Again, it's it's documented in the book. Um, I nearly drowned at one stage. But now when I see a leaky pipe, I know I'm not going to die. I know I'm not going to dro- die it's a leaky pipe and I just need to ring the plumber. Um, but, you know, I remember somebody a couple of years ago, This what set me off with the book was, this woman said to me, Ashling, you have a story and you have a duty mm. to other people to get that story out there. And suddenly it wasn't about me anymore. It was about helping other people, do you know? 
How did you find um, you know, this huge amount of work, obviously, that goes into to writing any book, but when it's your own story and your personal story, and, and it can be very, I can't imagine how difficult, Ashling, it must be to, to share that uh, with the world and, and come in and chat to us today about it. But did you get some, I, I don't know if comfort's the right word, but... Um, is there, is there a bit of comfort actually in, in writing? I have to someone? say, so many people have asked me that um, and it's not that I got comfort from it because I did an awful lot of work years ago through counselling as in being the client and as a psychotherapist. Um, I have a BSE in counselling and psychotherapy also. But I, I forgave, you know, I forgave my mother years ago and I realised, like when I wrote the book, I actually wrote it in three weeks. I wrote it during isolation um, I never wrote anything before in my life. Yeah. I wrote it during a period of isolation two years ago. And, you know, it's also important as well that it's not a victim book or a blame book. Um, you know, m- my mother, she also had her, her, she had huge mental health issues, but she also had her dreams and her aspirations that she couldn't follow through, you know, due to other, other um, commitments. And um, she was a very industrious woman. There was never a bill unpaid. There was never, she did mm. all the DIY in the house. I mean, I have to give her credit for all of that, you know. Um, did your relationship improve, Ashlyn, through the years? It, it improved from the perspective that I could see her as I got older. I could see her as a human being. But again, as I said earlier, because I could never relate to her as a mother, that in a sense made it easier for me. So when I saw her I could just see her as a woman getting older and older that needed more and more help, you know, practical help in the house. So so I used to, to kick in and, and do all that. And, uh, you know, my mother then, as I got older and mm. she got older, she knew where she knew where the line was with me. And if she disrespected me, then I would just I would just go okay. away. I wouldn't tolerate it anymore. You know, I wouldn't I just wasn't willing to put up with it anymore. And so she started to respect me more, you know. Um, the book I'm Someone it's out um, it's been published um, do you like what's the reaction been like since the reaction you... has been overwhelmingly positive and just very quickly there was one lady who's, who told me recently she said Ashling she was about to go into a very difficult situation the next day she sent me a text and she said you know what you've given me more strength she said yeah. than you will ever realise she said and you know I, my, I, I have five wisdoms really that I'm taking from this book yeah. the, you know tell your story Believe in yourself. Talk to somebody. It doesn't matter if it's a family member, your loved one, a friend. Just talk to somebody and tell them, you know, what is going on. Face your fear. Very easy to say. I know. But but try and face your fear. But you know what? What's the worst thing can happen? Do you know, unless again, unless somebody actually kills you, go for it. Take a chance in life. The Mm. worst thing can happen is it won't happen, you know. It won't work out, but take the chance, whatever it is, go for that job, go for that exam, you know, go for that holiday, even though you mightn't have the money, whatever it is in life, go for it. And find your focus, find your focus in life and never let it go. My focus was to get out of that situation, not not into a big fancy house or big fancy car. My focus was just to get to those Wicklow Hills. It didn't matter if I lived in a cardboard box when I got there. I know. But find your focus as a child, as an adult, whatever it is, and never, ever let it go. 
Um, it's a lot of advice, Ashling. I think, and that's a lot of what the book actually provides for people. Aside from obviously documenting your own your own personal story and your journey, but um, I am someone. It is out. It's out now. It's on shelves. And um, obviously, as Ashling mentioned, there it just offers advice really for I suppose people going through a similar situation. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's a book of hope, and like I say, it's not a victim book or a blame book. But yeah. it's a story that we need to talk about more in society. Um, I do want to say as well actually for people listening to us today perhaps maybe in a similar situation just the I should mention too actually the helpline number for the Samaritans as well of course there is their website that is samaritans.org and their number too actually it's double one six one two three. Um Ashling Cregan Ashling thanks a million for joining us here Thank in the you so today. much Yeah. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan Brought to you by Avant Money Weekdays at midday on News Talk